Hello, and welcome to Sound of the Moment. I'm your host, Pat Cleaver, and this is the bi-weekly show featuring conversations with musicians about jazz, music, and more. Come back every second Monday to hear new episodes and subscribe in iTunes or add the show to your RSS feed. For more information, detailed show notes, and links, you can visit soundofthemoment.com. If you like what you hear and want to support the show, please give us a favorable rating or review in iTunes. This boosts the podcast's visibility and it helps other listeners to find it. You can follow me on Twitter at Pat Cleaver or look for Sound of the Moment on Facebook. This is episode number two for 6th of November 2017. My guest today is the Dutch guitarist and composer Bram Stathouders. And he has a fascinating new project called The Big Barrel Organ. You'll hear my conversation with Bram in just a second, but first, let's hear a track from his brand new record. Thank you. 
You just heard music from Bram Stadthouders, guitarist and composer. And um, Bram, thanks for coming on the show. For people that aren't familiar with you, maybe uh, it's good if you start by telling people a bit about who you are and what you do and your background, etc. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Thanks for inviting me. It's a really a nice idea, this podcast. Um, I'm a guitarist uh, from Tilburg. <laughs> I was born there. Uh, it's a city in the south of Holland. And there I got, uh, from six years old, I uh, got guitar lessons from my father. He's mm -hmm. a guitar teacher, which... Um, First, I learned classical music and then uh, jazz and uh, rock music. I had a band with my brother, uh, Jasper Stadthouders. Yeah. Also a familiar face in the Amsterdam uh, jazz scene. Yeah. Um, and uh, from age 16, I started to uh, think uh, what my own music uh, would sound like instead of playing uh, standards, which I did before that. Mm -hmm. And I started experimenting with electronics, uh, laptop. I got a laptop and connected my uh, guitar to it and exploring uh, how, uh, how I can use extra sound instead of just the uh, guitar. Um, and buying a synthesizer, guitar synthesizer. Yeah. And uh, from there I... Uh, started to create a bunch of uh, crazy projects <laughs> <laughs> yeah you as far as i understood you studied composition at the conservatory right you you were in the electronic music department in utrecht is that correct yeah and then and then the hague which also has quite a a an interesting sort of contemporary um, yeah. composition course there yeah um, that's interesting to me because a lot of i think Nowadays, a lot of jazz musicians and improvisers um, sort of want to, well, want to. They are composers in their own right. Um, but it's quite unusual for somebody to make that decision that early on, um, so to speak, to actually study the craft of composition, right? Yeah, for me, improvisation was always actually a composition. I, I approach it in a quite compositional way instead of uh, like purely um, playing whatever comes up I try to, to think more structurally mm -hmm. so um, and also I had uh, quite enough of playing jazz when I was uh, 16 so I wanted to uh, study electronic music yeah and then uh, about six years after I finished that electronic music, I decided to do a master in composition mm -hmm. in The Hague because I worked with the Netherlands Chamber Choir uh, for a project for the Naughty Jazz Festival. Yeah. And that made me realize I still had a lot to learn about uh, how to compose and how to write music, notate music. Okay, so you you did your master's there after you... Yeah. Did that work with the, the... Yeah. And I realized I wanted to focus more on working with classical musicians. Yeah. And after that project, I wrote for a tenor voice mm -hmm. uh, project. Um, so it was mainly because I wanted to learn how to write for classical musicians that I started uh, the master. 
Yeah, okay. And that's um, that seems to me like it's kind of a theme throughout your work is, is finding ways to combine um, imp- improvisers and, and more sort of classically trained musicians. Um, is that, as far as I understand, you don't really make that much of a demarcation in your mind between the two? Yeah. Uh, well, f- I think there is, of course, a lot, a lot of difference. But <clears throat> what I like about working with classical musicians is that you they just do exactly what you want. And with improvisers, you cannot tell them what exactly what you want usually because they need to feel freedom. Mm-hmm. But uh, classical musicians don't want to have uh, usually not too much freedom. They want to have directions, and that allows for uh, a composer or or music maker, if you have ideas about what you want, to be as specific as possible. Um, but I don't know, it's uh, just... Um, maybe it was a period for me to work with, with classical musicians, but uh, it was about f- four years or five years. But for me, it's more about combining different, uh, let's say... Uh, um, disciplines Mm -hmm. so it's not necessarily classical only but also world musicians or uh, i also worked with african musicians or a singer from mongolia or a bulgarian choir or um but now for also like a barrel organ for example which is not a musician but a (laughs) a robot (laughs) yeah um well, before we get to the barrel organ, organ, which is um, kind of your your latest project, you come back to this. It seems to me like a, a one through line is is the idea of vocal music. Yeah, um, it's something that you've you've worked with a lot, whether it's with choirs or with individual singers. I, I think the first time I saw you perform was when you were performing with um, Cecil Anderson and Jim Black. I, I saw you guys play in Bim House. Um, which was a really exciting project, by the way. Um, and it, it, it seems like that's, like I say, it's a through line. There's, there's something in your music that's very lyrical. Um, what is it about the human voice? Um, maybe that's a very, very vague question. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it's a valid question, but it's, uh, it's quite hard to answer. But um, I don't know. It's just that I'm really drawn to it because it's so pure and uh, you cannot hide uh, anything in the voice. If you feel uh, a little bit down or something, you hear it in the voice. And if you play guitar, you can always rely on your technique. Mm-hmm. So I, I really like this directness uh, of expression. And also, uh, well... I guess uh, it's just very natural, the voice. And if you sing a melody, you have to stop at some point to breathe. Mm-hmm. And it's also something you cannot, uh, with guitar or any other instrument, you can just continue playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I like this naturalness, I guess, in the voice. And do you do you sing yourself? And, and also, is that part of your compositional process? So when you 
when you write something, you talk about having to stop to breathe, for example. Is that something that that informs the way you write um, music? Mm, not necessarily. I n never really, I'm not very aware of that. But when I write for voice, it forces me to think in this way, which, which, uh, which I like. Mm-hmm. But when I play or when I write for other instruments, I, I actually I should maybe think more like that. <laughs> but on the other hand, I also like the contrast of uh, adding voice in a project where that is um, where this naturalness and this breathing uh, thing is is abs uh, present and on the background of more instrumental where you can just play uh totally uh, let's say un unnatural stuff yeah so that's also well we will talk later about the yeah. barrel organ thing but that the where, where i work with electronic music that uh, i also like very much of uh of playing music that is not playable by human humans yeah okay um And so, yeah, speaking about not playable by humans, maybe um, this is where we jump into that side of things. Um, you, so your latest project is is working with this, it's called the Big Barrel Organ, right? Yeah. Um, and the, the idea is that you are triggering a street organ, a dance street organ. Yeah. Um, Yeah, maybe you want to describe the project a bit. It's it's kind of a very, well, completely unique thing. Um, so <laughs> I think it's good to explain to people what you what that actually entails. Yeah, well, in Holland uh, and Belgium, there used to be a big tradition a uh, hundred years ago of uh, street organs. But in this case, <clears throat> it's a dance hall organ. So mm -hmm. there used to be uh, big, big organs uh, in every cafe in Belgium where people used to dance to there was automatic uh, instruments where you put a roll of paper inside and the, the organ would play automatically yeah it's like like a player piano kind of a thing yeah right so uh, at one point two or three years ago I discovered that there's a few organs like this that are triggerable by MIDI mm -hmm. so uh, MIDI is like a musical uh, technology language Yeah, it's that, like the synthesizer yeah. language. And my guitar can send this uh, signal also mm -hmm. via a special uh, machine, which made me uh, realize I can trigger this huge, huge organ with the guitar. Yeah. And that's uh, how I decided to make this into a project. And I found a transportable organ that a guy owns uh, and he uh, transports it with a truck. Yeah. And that's how we uh, drive around the country and play. And I will, uh, I stand in front of the organ and uh, play the guitar. Yeah. Okay. And um, so, how much of it is? Well, I'm I'm interested in in the actual mapping and in, in how how the triggering occurs because I suppose it would be quite simple to um, to sort of make one note equals one note but surely with an instrument like a barrel organ you've got many more possibilities than that because you've also got percussion and you've got different sort of damblers and different types of, of sounds you can use um how did you first of all how do you map things is it consistent 
Well, the, the organ is already mapped by uh, the, the makers of this organ because um, it's a very, well, I guess it's a hidden uh, tradition, which it's like a, a scene of uh, people mainly in Holland that know how these organs work, but it's not common knowledge. So mm -hmm. I really had to dive into this world of how these organs are mapped. Uh, because it's true that uh, on the organ I'm using, it's uh, about 20 different sounds. So one sound means like a church organ uh, a register that you yeah. can pull on or off. And actually it's it's really based on a church organ. So um, it's just that you can uh, trigger sounds on and off and then play with these sounds. And every uh, percussion instrument, there's about 15 percussion instruments on my organ. Well, yeah. not my organ, but... <laughs> the organ you work with. <laughs> uh, and every every note, every register and every uh, sound and note of every sound has uh, a MIDI tone, a yeah. MIDI, MIDI uh, number. Yeah. So that's how I uh, made the whole mapping to match with with the traditional uh, way. Okay, so it, it is it is consistent. You don't you from one uh, so from one composition to the next, you're always triggering the same sound from the same MIDI note. Yeah, and yeah. therefore from the same note on your guitar. Yeah. Okay, um, and then I'm also interested in how. It's it's always the very obvious question, but how much of it is composed versus improvised? Um, you um, because obviously the the barrel organ is traditionally something that is like a player piano, something that will just read a set of notes and and just play them for you. Um, how much of that are you using versus the actual triggering? Um, are you using any of it at all? Uh, well, in my set, in my concert of about one hour, I have uh, half of it is completely composed for the organ. Mm -hmm. And I play guitar on top of this composition and the organ is triggered or also doubling what I play on guitar. Okay. But the structure of the piece and the whole background music is composed. And the other half is completely improvised. So really what I play... On guitar is uh, doubled by the organ and I can hold notes with my pedal, MIDI pedals. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, the drums, I sometimes trigger with the guitar and sometimes I create a loop. Yeah. So I do use loops and, uh, but, but mainly the, this is improvised. Okay. And how, how do you practice something like this? It's, um, it's obviously got to completely change the way you play the guitar when you play a note and you've got a massive organ behind you being triggered. Um, how did you how did you go about rehearsing um, the material? I suppose you can't necessarily have access to the organ at all times, right? Well, I recorded every sound of the organ, so I at home I could practice with the organ as exactly as it sounds uh, in reality. Okay. Uh, and uh, so I had a virtual organ at home, so I could really, really get used to it. Right. Uh, but on the other hand, I've been using this system since I'm 16. So 
uh, as I told before, I got a laptop when I uh, when I started experimenting, and I also used external synthesizers with my guitar. So actually, I already from a very young age I had to adapt my guitar playing to working with or triggering synthesizer sounds with the mm-hmm. guitar. So it was not so much of a change for me, actually. It was very uh, natural. Yeah, okay. Because, yeah, you do make that comparison, right, between the organ and a, and a synthesizer. It's sort yeah. of the earliest form of a synthesizer, so to, so yeah, to speak, Yeah, right? I mean, I somehow it dawned on me that probably, or maybe the, the first synthesizer was a barrel organ. Yeah. <laughs> or, well, in fact, a church organ also, like a church organ is a keyboard and you can put sounds on and play and put another sound on and play. This is how a keyboard or a synthesizer works. Yeah. But then purely acoustic, of course, not, mm-hmm. not digital. Yeah, the, so the other aspect of the organ, which, which I, I find um, must, must be quite a challenge is there's no dynamics, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just loud. Yeah, um, or at least in my experience of having I haven't actually seen you perform with the project yet. But whenever I've seen these organs in the street, they're designed to be heard miles away, or to be heard at least yeah. throughout an entire hall. Um, is there any? First of all, can you actually change how loud the organ itself is, just as a you know, is there a master volume on it? No, no. <laughs> if the, if there was a master volume, that means uh, having uh, less air through the yeah, pipes, which yeah. uh, would lower the tone. Yeah, right. But there are uh, registers that are softer and louder than others. So if I mm-hmm. want a softer sound, I turn off all the, the loud registers and yeah. then use only the soft. Mm-hmm. This is how I can orchestrate a bit. Yeah. But there's no volume change now. No. <laughs> <laughs> but so how? Um, I suppose that dictates. Besides the fact that it's just one massive thing that that needs a whole truck to transport it around, um, that also dictates the kind of venue that you can perform this music in, right? Um, are you actually performing in the street? Or yeah. <laughs> okay, um, and then. I suppose alongside that question goes um, you're presumably performing for a very different audience in that case um, because it almost um, and not to sound derogative of it but it almost seems like a kind of a busking kind of a kind of a thing right yeah. you're playing on the street corner you're playing with an incredible massive thing but you're still basically performing in the street for people presumably walking by yeah um, what has your experience been with that? How have people received the the project? Uh, well, I've done uh, one uh, four-day festival where I played in Amsterdam, Rotterdam, Groningen and Eindhoven on the streets. Uh, and after that, my concerts were on festivals. So uh, they were like really for a specific targeted music audience. Mm-hmm. But on the first festival, I really played in the middle of the center of the street. And, well, people pass by and they, they, they stop. They make a picture and they, they stand for a few minutes like, what, what is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> and then they move on and some stay for an hour. But so I don't know. Um, 
I myself, I'm completely uh, immersed in the music, so actually I don't watch uh, watch around because I I lose distraction. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I've heard and what I've maybe seen on videos is that uh, it's true. It's a kind of a basking uh, idea. That's true, and that's how uh, I mean. Ideally, I would prefer to have audience listening because my music that I made is quite serious let's say Uh, it's not like entertainment uh, purely so for me ideally i would have a a listening audience on the chairs but on the other hand this is part of the project like the i i I chose to have a street organ which uh, should be on the street so i I have no choice and uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah but I think it's also maybe nice that it's a way to uh, show to regular audience uh, more experimental music. Yeah. Is there precedent to this? Not in terms of, obviously, the idea of triggering that the street organ is completely new, but is there precedent to people writing serious music for these instruments? Yeah, there's also Willem Breuker. Uh, he okay. is a, he's a, He was a Dutch improviser. Yeah. And he also wrote for barrel organ, hmm. but I actually still have to find the record. I've heard uh, I've heard a bit, but okay. And uh, in Orgel Park Amsterdam, which is a place where is also a big barrel organ, hmm. and they have a very big uh, uh, history of uh, modern compositions were made for this kind of organ. So it's actually, uh, especially in that place in Amsterdam. Uh, it's very uh, already uh, really uh, explored this area. Yeah. Okay. And also Ligeti worked, uh, wrote for a barrel organ. Okay. So I'm not the first one in this case, <laughs> but I am the first one to uh, to get it on the street and trigger it live. Yeah. Because before it was only used uh, with pre-composed music. Yeah. I suppose another maybe... Um maybe obvious topic here is the idea of folklore because it's I suppose this is very much a sort of Dutch and Belgian thing Um, is do you have a sense that you are exploring folkloric roots through this or am I Mm, well only because of the sound Uh, the sound reminds probably of folklore dutch folklore on the the street mm-hmm. that people recognize but for me there's no uh, well maybe unconsciously i put a bit of of this folklore in, in but it's not my intention i really want to use the instrument in a, a new way mm-hmm. and create my own music on it which is not usually based on uh, folklore um but I do uh, like the sound which reminds of this and uh, it's, it's mainly the sound that uh, that gives this impression. Yeah. And how does that, how has this sound um, influenced what, what you write? Because it, it seems to me like a lot of the music that I've heard you make is very... Um, meditative and... and um, sort of long form, uh, so to speak. And I don't really 
I mean, I've heard I've heard the record, and 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 obviously you make it work, but I I didn't I don't really see. It seems like quite a departure from your what what you've done, I suppose. Yeah, well, I've always completely loved organs, uh, and then church organs. That I was the only thing I knew about when I discovered this barrel organ. I fell in love even more, and maybe it has to do with also my love for the voice. I just love this air uh, sound, like mm-hmm. air. Um, and the church organ does really fit to my music, I think, because it it's, it can be also, especially because it, if it's in a church with a lot of reverb, you get the soundscape and uh, this this meditative thing that yeah. can also be a part of church organ. So it's true that the barrel organ uh, is much harsher Mm -hmm. but i did realize that when you put uh, a barrel organ in a church Mm. it does remind of a church organ more and you can make more soundscapes and more meditative stuff okay yeah and how do you so how how was the recording process because obviously you've made a record um and if i'm correct it will have come out a day before we release this episode so if people are listening when it comes out or any time in the future, you can already get it. Um, I think the record is going to be called Rhapsody. Is that correct? No, it's called no. Uh, the the Big Barrel Organ. Okay, the, the organ itself is called Rhapsody. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so the Big Barrel Organ. Um, how, what was the recording process like? Where did you record and how? Um... Well, the organ is uh, located in the uh, I don't know the English word, but uh, the owner of the organ has a very big storage place for yeah, like a warehouse uh, where I, uh, yeah for these organs yeah so i just uh, asked him to uh for like a couple of hours to uh, i pre-recorded the music at home in okay. midi yeah. and uh, the guitar and i asked because he is also working there i asked him to be uh, not work for a few hours and then i recorded uh, it's actually quite simple i just recorded in that place mm-hmm and then uh, later on, I mixed it at home. Yeah. But so you just sort of recorded it. I mean, how do you even mic uh, well, an organ like that? Actually, this is mo- the most simple ever because uh, I realized that uh, first I tried to have many mics for yeah. every every place in the organ, but the organ is already perfectly constructed to be uh when you stand in front of it that it sounds perfect yeah so all the registers are in the right volume and all the percussion so i really i i used more uh, like a few mics maybe 10 but in the end i chose only two okay so wow. only uh, <laughs> left and right you just have a stereo and that's it yeah and I, it sounds the best actually uh because then you get the natural way of the organ sound and not like uh uh, a human-made mix, a computer kind yeah, of. sure. And how do you plan to how do you plan to travel with this? Because I, I mean, obviously, we're used to traveling all over the place to perform music, and this is a very, very different situation. Is it, I mean, I know it, it fits in a truck. Yeah. Um, do you do you expect to be able to tour this around? Or well, I can unfortunately 
probably only play in Holland and Belgium and Germany around this, but mm -hmm. anything further will be too expensive. Yeah. But we did already play uh, 10 concerts, and but it's true that uh, I can only play usually outside. Hmm. If I play inside, it should be a very big hall, and we will do that on uh, 12 November in Sertogenbos uh, on November Music Festival. Okay. There we will play inside, and also 5 November we'll play on the street of Eindhoven uh, in part of the So What's Next Festival. Okay. Uh, so it's quite hard it has been quite hard to get bookings for the thing because there there's a lot of interest but logis logistically there's always some uh, troubles and uh, how to how to get the organ because it's big they have the festivals have to find a place for it because yeah, it's not a regular uh, band or a stage I have to create my own stage yeah of course I suppose a booker needs to is it needs to be an outdoor festival first of all for it to fit yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. Um and so what um is there anything else we can expect from from this in the future or, or other projects that you'd like to talk about? Well, I also recently uh started uh playing with robot instruments in uh Gent in Belgium, there is a guy who made a 70-piece uh, robot instrument uh, orchestra. Okay. Like all instruments you can imagine from a regular orchestra plus all other kinds of crazy instruments triggerable by a MIDI. Uh, and that's also, I worked with that in Sweden uh, with three of their instruments, a trumpet, saxophone and a percussion. Okay. And I'm thinking about extending this project and doing it again with more instruments. <laughs> But so it's a, it's a similar kind of a concept. You've yeah. got a whole bunch of sounds at your disposal that you're triggering by yourself with, yeah. um, from the guitar. But there's also another voice in my head that, that says uh, maybe you should just play again with the real, real people instead <laughs> of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's also what I'm missing a bit now right? yeah. so maybe I'll do that first and maybe sometime in the future the robot idea yeah okay because how do you how have you experienced the the idea obviously playing solo is quite an adventurous thing um, is and and now you know whether it's with the with the organ or with with robots um, it's still basically just you yeah how Is I mean, you say, yeah, you, you maybe miss working with people. It's interesting to, to be, it must be a very introspective kind of an experience. Uh, yeah, I mean, I felt I had to go through some stuff, like the, the need to, to play with others and rely on others, I couldn't do now. So I had to go through it. And at some point I, I, I could manage uh, to really feel comfortable with it and uh, actually I realized I learned a lot from it uh, because yeah it, it forces you to uh, really have to do everything yourself and not uh, outsource responsibility or, or to other people mm -hmm. um, and now it's uh, yeah it's it's uh, I like it now actually it is <laughs> But it's true that I miss also the interaction now. Yeah. A bit. And have you 
this may be slightly off topic, but have you worked with generative stuff before? Like, because now obviously the the organ just um, does what you tell it to do, so to speak. Have you? Because I know a lot of uh, there's a lot of people in 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 the field that are working with algorithmic composition and algorithmic improvisation, um, where these kinds of you could basically have the barrel organ re- responding um, in somewhat random or somewhat you know precomposed ways is that something that you've worked with at all or would like to work with well i do it sort of like um i i have arpeggiators for example that Mm -hmm. are repeating what i'm playing in a rhythmic pattern that is always changing so i play a chord and i get a, a rhythm back or I play a note and I add five tones, so I get a chord. Yeah. Uh, this is how I also you uh, used it and improvise. But I always like to uh, be kind of in control of what the output will be uh, concerning the the note material. But the rhythmic material is um, is ge- is also generative, actually. Okay. Often, yeah. It's not like only I play a note and it plays it back. I also use more uh, other uh, other computer-based stuff. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're sort, of, sort of reaching the end of this interview now. Um, and I like to ask my guests, is there a completely different topic? Is there anything um, that you have read or seen or listened to, whether it's a book, a movie, a record lately... Maybe an exhibition. I don't know. Um, something you could recommend people go and check out. Yeah, I've been uh, already since a few years really into Michel van der A. This is a Dutch composer. Okay. Uh, and he's yeah very forward looking. He also made a three D opera, for example. But I'm mainly really impressed by his uh, online. Uh, opera I think it's an opera Mm. where he uses video and you can construct your own uh, way of how the the music piece is unfolding okay so you can choose scenes by yourself but mainly I am really impressed by the music he writes Mm. it's uh, his, his background is classical music but he uses a lot of pop influence uh, and it reminds me of, of Björk sometimes okay interesting I'll uh, be sure to check it out um, so again the record is called Big Barrel Organ it should have been released yesterday as this comes out yeah um, I suppose people can go to your website and find yeah um, you can buy it there and um Bam, thanks a lot for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for uh, inviting me. That was my conversation with Bram Stathouders. Keep listening for some more of his music at the end of the show. You'll be able to find links to his website as well as detailed show notes at soundofthemoment.com. And I'd recommend going to his website to purchase his brand new record, The Big Barrel Organ. It's very much worth your time. I'd like to thank my fellow members of Katrio for providing intro and outro music. 
If you have any questions or comments, I'd love to hear them. So don't hesitate to reach out to me. I'm at Pat Cleaver on Twitter, and there is a Sound of the Moment page on Facebook. Right now, the best way to support the show is to add it to your RSS feed or subscribe in iTunes and give us a rating or review while you're there. I leave you with more music from Bram Stadthouders. This piece is called To A Promise, and it's from his 2013 record, Henosis, featuring his trio and the Netherlands Chamber Choir. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Sound of the Moment.